Well, I know you've seen behind-the-scenes look at a scene in a TV or movie being shot. You have the actors that take their places. They know their lines. They know their role. You have the folks manning the cameras in their places. You have the producers overseeing different aspects of the production. And you have a director. And right before the scene is shot, the director says, Lights, camera, action. Lights, camera, action. We've all heard that before. And it's interesting when you think about that scenario. The actors know their part, they know their role, the producers know their role, the camera people know their role, the director knows his role. Now all that's left is for action to happen, for everyone to do what they are called to do. Well, this morning, I want to call us to action as a faith family. I want to talk about our vision and our mission and how we can prioritize some things in 2014 to move forward as a faith family. And just to give you a heads up on the front end, I'm not giving you any new information this morning, really, in terms of the big picture of who we are and where we are headed. We're not changing our vision. We're not changing our mission because I believe our vision and our mission are biblically based. I, I cut my teeth as a new pastor on the church uh, growth movement. And in the 80s and 90s, uh, in the beginning of the, the 21st century, the church growth movement was, was predominant in American church culture. Here's what it entailed. You'd have a pastor over here who would grow a great big old church, and he'd have a conference. And everyone would come to his conference, and he'd tell you how to do what he did, so you can have a great big old church too. So pastors would leave the conference, they'd come back to their church, say, we're going to change everything and do this. And then the next year, some other pastor would oversee this huge growth in a church. You know what they would do? Have a conference, write a book. And, and pastors would come from all around to their conference, and they'd say, if you want to have a big church like my church, you need to do this, this, and this. So the pastors would go back to the church and say, okay, we're going to change things, and we're going to do something different this year. And, and it was, I believe, not healthy for the body of Christ to simply think you can go to another church in another context, another leader, another uh, ministry philosophy, and just simply bring it back and, and poof, everything's going to just go great. I don't believe that was healthy at all. Because I believe if you're changing your vision and mission every year, maybe your vision and mission is not grounded in the Bible. Right? And so our job is not to chase the latest trends and fads. Our job is to say, what does the Bible say? And once we know what the Bible says, then we try to do it empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what we are called to do. So I want to, I want to rehearse with you, uh, go over again with you our vision, our mission, and then I want to call us to action and give you some priorities to think through in uh, 2014. First of all, let's talk about vision. This speaks of where we want to go, where we want to go. A vision is a clear mental picture of what could be 
fueled by a conviction of what should be. That definition comes from Andy Stanley. A, a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by a conviction of what should be. And so this is who we want to be in the future, what we want to be about in the future. This is our very DNA, and we want this as a church because we believe this is what the Bible calls us to. So here's our vision statement. If you've been around here for any length of time, you've heard this. It's, it's on your bulletin. And, and we want it to be a, just a part of who we are. When people ask you about Longview Point, we hope that, that this statement will surface quickly in your heart and mind as you share who we are as a church. But here's our vision statement. Expanding His kingdom. We want to be a church that is expanding His kingdom across the street and around the world. Expanding His kingdom across the street and around the world. And every phrase of that is chosen carefully. First of all, we want to be a church that is involved all about expanding God's kingdom. In other words, it's not just about us as a church, a local church. We want to be, as a local church, involved in things that are bigger than just us. So that means that we make decisions sometimes that don't directly benefit us, but do expand God's kingdom. Does that make sense? For example, we gave $135,000 plus to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We could have just kept that in-house and, and done a lot of stuff with $135,000, right? I mean, that, that's a lot of money. And, and over the last two years, you've given over uh, $250,000 to international missions through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And everything you give to the budget, a percentage goes off the top to international missions and to state missions. And so a lot of money that comes in, we give away. Now, we could use that to just do things here, but God's called us to think about outside of our walls, not just what's going on here, right? That's kingdom mindset. And so we want to be a church that expands God's kingdom. Now, how does kingdom expansion happen? Kingdom expansion happens when someone hears the gospel that Jesus saves and they choose to follow Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And when they do that, a brand new person has decided to follow King Jesus. And every time that happens, the kingdom gets bigger, Right? King Jesus has another follower, another subject, another person that loves him and wants to follow him and be changed by him. So kingdom expansion happens as we share the gospel across the street here in Hernando and the, to the very ends of the earth, all around the world. That's what we want to be about as a church, getting the gospel out so people can get saved and bow their heart and their knee to King Jesus. That's our vision statement. That's where we want to go. That's where we want to be. That is at the very core of who we are. So, so getting the gospel out or missions, it, it, listen to me, it's not just a program among other programs here. You know, we don't you know, have this program, this program. Missions is just another program. Missions drives everything we do. It's behind every program, every strategy. Everything we do is, is, is related to expanding God's kingdom, or it should be. That's our vision where we want to go. But the question arises, wait, how are we going to get there? What's our philosophy of ministry? What are we going to prioritize? What are we going to be about? What's our mission? How are we going to move forward to achieving, to realizing that vision? Well, let me give you our mission statement, and, and this hopefully won't be the first time you've heard that this unless you're uh, visiting with us. But our mission statement is this, to make disciples of Jesus in Bible-based relational small groups, to make disciples of Jesus in Bible-based relational small groups. That's the way we're going to expand God's kingdom, because we believe that when you get people in a small group, 
at, that meet Christ, that in that small group dynamic, they study God's Word together and build relationships with one another. They grow in their faith. They mature. And when someone is maturing in their faith, a natural consequence of that is they will reach out to others. By the way, that's how you know whether you are a babe in Christ or whether you're maturing in Christ. Are you reaching out to others? If you're not reaching out to others, how can you call yourself mature in Christ? Right? When Jesus has called us to do that. And so, as we get you in these, these small groups, and you're, and you're growing together, maturing together, a natural result is you'll reach out to others and lead them to the kingdom. So they become followers of Christ. And then you get them in a small group, and they grow to the, to the point where they can reach out to others. And it's a multiplying movement of God's Spirit and the gospel that changes communities and changes families and changes the world. That, that's what we want to be about. He said, wait, where'd you get that from? That mission statement. You want to know my answer to that? Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He made disciples in a small group. Jesus did not focus all of his efforts on mass evangelism. Now, there were times in his ministry that he preached to thousands, but it wasn't often, and there are even times when he sent the, the multitudes home because they weren't ready to receive what he was saying. The way Jesus changed the world is by gathering a small group of men that we call disciples, and he lived life with them. He, he encouraged them, trained them, taught them truth, sent them out on mission, corrected them, admonished them, walked with them. And, and when he died on the cross for our sins, and then rose from the dead, and then ascended back to the Father, all that was left was this small group of men and a few other followers. But because they had been in that small group with Jesus, they were ready to take the gospel to the world. And they turned the world upside down. Jesus changed the world through a small group. Now listen, if that's what Jesus did, who am I to give you some other method? Right? I mean, if that's what Jesus did, shouldn't that be what we do? I mean, shouldn't we do what Jesus did? And that's what Jesus did. So we want to make disciples of Jesus in Bible-based relational small groups. That's, we call these groups connect groups. We have connect groups that meet on campus on Sunday mornings, all three hours. We have connect groups that meet in homes on Sunday nights. We have all sorts of connect groups, different sizes, different, different age makeups, and, and all sorts of things happening. But but these connect groups are critical to who we are as a church. Connect groups are our plan A for discipleship, helping you to grow in your faith. And listen to me, we don't have a plan B. Now, if Jesus had a plan B, we'd have a plan B, but Jesus didn't. Jesus taught us to make disciples in a, in a small group. So that's our plan A, to help you to, to grow in your faith. We call them connect groups. And so here's what we know. We know that, that if, if you don't get involved in these smaller groups, it will be easy for you to get lost in the crowd. You may attend and be a fan of Longview Point, think, I like what's going on here, I support what's going on here, I like what I hear, I want to come and be, and be encouraged and, and fed and, and nurtured in my faith. But we know that if you don't connect with others, it's going to be very easy for you to just, 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 to, just get lost in the crowd and have no community for you to, to grow in. And so we're glad you're here at our worship time. 
we want you here. Corporate worship is very, very important. But we want to move you from corporate worship to small groups. Now let me show you this in God's Word. Turn to Acts, Acts chapter 2 with me. Acts chapter 2. Look in verse 41. Now the context here is the day of Pentecost. is after Jesus had uh, ascended back to his father. And Peter uh, stands up on the day of Pentecost, empowered by the Spirit. And he preaches this, this powerful message. And look at the results there in verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, I I love history, and I like looking back over historical events. And there are some historical events I would have loved to have been there for those events. For example, right now I'm reading a book about George Washington. And I would love to have been there when the founding father signed the Declaration of Independence and sent it off to the King of England. That would have been a cool event to be at, right? Listen, there would have been nothing more exciting in history, in human history, than being there on this day. When Peter preached and 3,000 folks in Jerusalem gave their lives to Jesus. Would you like to see something like that? I would. Look what happens next. And they, these followers of Jesus, the kingdom had expanded. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And look what it says in verse 46. Day by day attending the temple together. So they got together for large worship services. That's thousands of folks. They get together, sing songs, hear the apostles teach. They were in a corporate worship setting, just like we are this morning. But look what happens next. It says, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They got together corporately as a large group. They also got together in small groups in their homes. And and that's where... They saw their their growth in grace as they encouraged one another and ministered to one another and helped one another and taught one another and admonished one another and held each other accountable to grow in their faith. So we want to get you in a small group just like this. Come to worship. And then step two for you is get involved in a connect group so you can have a, a community of believers around you to encourage you in your Christian growth. So Wade, what do you talk about in connect groups? What, what's the curriculum? Well, the curriculum is based upon what I preach on Sunday mornings. So this Sunday in your connect group, you'll be, you'll be talking about what I preached last Sunday in Colossians. You'll be going deeper in that passage. You'll be digging in a little bit deeper, asking each other questions, uh, discussing it, thinking about application, how it applies to your life. And so that, that's critical. And next Sunday, you'll be talking about this sermon, about our vision and our mission, how that applies to you and your family, and, and looking at other uh, verses that support this sermon. And so what you do is, every Sunday you take notes. You see the little note page you put there in your bulletin? You take notes, and that becomes, for you folks with the Sunday school background, that becomes your quarterly. Okay, you study it all week long. Look up the verses, think about it, write notes down. And show up Sunday to your connect group. And in connect group, your leader will lead you through a discussion of these truths. And help you to go deeper in these truths. And, and you'll discuss where you're struggling. And, and it may be a time for you to say, hey, I'm missing it here. Will you pray for me? 
And, and someone else can say, well, I'm struggling. You can pray for them. And, and someone else is doing something for the Lord. You can encourage them. And someone else is, 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 is backsliding. You can come along beside them. But as you get in that, that, that group dynamic, you're there for one another. Someone's there for you. You're there for someone else. And God's Word is the basis of what you're doing. You're, you're fellowshipping around the Word. And you can't help but see growth in your life in that setting. How do you know? Because that's what Jesus did. Got it? That's our mission. To make disciples of Jesus in Bible-based, relational, small groups. But here's the third thing. We've talked about vision. Reminded you of what we're all about in our mission. How we're going to get there. But we've got to, we've got to take this call seriously to action. Action. Not lights, camera action, but vision, mission, action. And when I say action, I want to be very careful here. I mean, and write this down, spirit-empowered action. I'm not talking about you doing this in your own strength. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit having control of your life and helping you to, to, to serve Him and make a difference in this world. So as we think about this action, I want to give you three priorities for 2014. Three things to really focus on in 2014 that are going to help us move forward as a church toward our vision, uh, use, utilizing our mission uh, philosophy. Three priorities for this year. Now last year, this time, I talked to you about advance. Remember our advance sermon? I talked to you about our, our purpose and the power God gives us through His Spirit and the plan that we have. And I want you to know that last year, 2013, was awesome. We advanced. We sent out church planters. We sent out mission teams all over the world, literally, to do short-term mission work. We gave thousands and tens of thousands of dollars to international missions. We prayed. We had a global impact conference. You gave to the advance campaign. where We started a building expansion campaign, and we're, we're about a month away from being in that expansion. We're excited about what God's doing. When I mean, we saw major things happen, we saw folks saved and baptized in 2013. As a matter of fact, there was a time in the really the end of the summer and the fall of last year, that we called it a mini-revival. We saw people saved really on average every week, folks just getting saved. Folks just, uh, adults, teenagers, children, I mean, folks just giving their lives to Jesus, and it was awesome to see what God was doing. We saw a harvest of souls. 2013 was awesome, awesome. God helped us to advance by His grace and for His glory. And this year, we don't want to step back. We don't want to rest a while. We want, to, we, want to, we want to be called. We want to let God to call us to action. So what are these three priorities for 2014? Well, first of all, if you look there in your notes, I want to encourage you to live life together. Live life together. Look in verse 42. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. The word fellowship there is koinonia, the fellowship. And so they were involved in hearing truth, God's word, the apostles' teaching, but they also lived life together, fellowship. They, they ministered to one another. Look what it says in verse 44. This is, this is really incredible what happens in the early church. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So here's what would happen. You'd have a small group meeting in a home in Jerusalem in the first century. 
And some new believer would show up to the small group and say, hey guys, would you pray for me? Uh, Now that I'm following Christ, my boss, who's a, a strict Pharisee, fired me. I don't have a job. And I'm looking for work. And we have some needs as a family. So would you just pray for me that God would provide for my family? And, and someone would say, you know, we, we just sold some property over here. And we've got some resources. Let us, let us, you know, let us, let us pay your mortgage this, this next month. Or, you know what, we'll get some folks to bring you meals uh, these next few weeks as you try to you know, get back on your feet. And they began to even sell their possessions and pull their resources and money to help each other. I mean, it would have been very lonely to be a Christian in first century Jerusalem because you would, you would probably face some severe hostility from family and friends and co-workers. So they really needed each other, didn't they? Now, in our day, we got churches everywhere. So if you don't like the way it happens at one church, you just go to another church, right? We don't feel we need the body of Christ the way we do need the body of Christ. We need each other. We need each other. And we see the early church here living life together, ministering to one another. Look what it says in verse 46. Day by day, they were attending the temple together. Everyone say together. Together. And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So we see them getting together, small groups, living life together. Not just showing up at the temple and singing some songs and hearing a sermon then going home. They stayed connected, it says there, daily. Daily. And so I want to call you, as a church, to really focus on living life together in 2014. That means that your, your focus on your faith family happens more than once a week. It means if you show up to a connect group and someone's not there, somebody calls them. That's simple. Or, hey, send a, at least a text message or an email and just check on them because they're family, right? They're family. Check on them. See how they're doing. If, if, if someone is having a hard time, minister to them. Walk with them through that season. If someone is, is having something wonderful happen, celebrate with them. The Bible says in Romans 12, we're to, we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Do that. Live life together. Go get coffee with someone in your church family during the week. Go meet for breakfast. Have someone over to your house. I mean, live life together. That's what the early church did. In other words, they weren't just, listen, they weren't just church members at the first church of Jerusalem. They were a faith family. And my goal for Longview Point, this is happening, this, we're, we're seeing growth in these areas, but my goal for Longview Point is, is not that we're just a bunch of members of the same church that, you know, like each other okay and, you know, are fans of what's going on. I want Longview Point Baptist Church to be a faith family. We care for each other. I mean, we're, we, we're living life together. Now, here's the great enemy of, of community, the great enemy of all of this I'm talking about busyness we are busy folks aren't we frantic busy bombarded with life and we really have no time left over for others you know it's you you rush out the door in the morning you get your kids to school you get to work whatever you you get through your extracurricular activities at the end of the day you get home you close the garage door behind you and you're done right you're done i mean you're just done i've been there but you know what what if we saw each other as family? 
and we really wanted to just hang out and live life together and, and get that mutual encouragement. When, when I, listen, when I'm around somebody that I know loves Jesus, it makes me want to love Jesus more myself. How about you? So, so make, make some intentional steps to hang around folks that love Jesus. And we'll encourage you to do the same. Live life together. That's what I'm, that's what I'm calling you to, to focus on in 2014. And here's the action step. Wait, what should I do? How do I, how do I fulfill that? Well, look there in your notes. Find a connect group and engage. And by the way, if you're not involved in a connect group, we encourage you to visit many. You don't have to just... You don't have to feel bad if you visit one and it's not the right fit or the right time or whatever. Try several. You're not hurting anybody's feelings. Find the place that's right for you and, and, and plug in and show up and engage. If you're in a connect group, listen to me. If you're in a connect group and your teacher doesn't have a co-teacher, pray about being a co-teacher. Talk to Frank about it. Begin to pray. If you're in a connect group and no one else is calling the folks that don't show up, say, I'll do that. I'll call them. I'll text them. If you're in a connect group and no one's reaching out to prospects or, or visitors and say, I'll lead that. I'll reach out. But engage. Engage. And, and, and work on growing together in your relationships with others. Live life together. Live life together. Now, again, we're seeing some of this. I, I've noticed now that a lot of times when I get to a hospital, there's already somebody there from a connect group with that person I'm going to visit. We've seen more and more of that in, in, the, in, the, in the last year or two. So, so God is doing that, and that's wonderful. And we want God to continue to do that. We are, we are family. By the way, if you're family, you don't let people talk about your family, do you? There have been times with uh, Claire, you know, she'll be saying something about, you know, maybe a family member, she's frustrated with a family member uh, of hers, and I'll, I'll just agree with her. I'll say, yeah, you're, you know, she'll say, don't talk about my family. <laughs> it's like, I was just agreeing with you. Defensive about her family. Shouldn't we be that way about each other? I mean, if, if, if someone's in your family, and someone else wants to disparage them, maybe she should say, don't talk about my family. Right? Live life together in 2014 send that extra text make that an extra call make send that extra email meet someone for coffee i mean just take the extra step to really invest in others and i promise you those growing relationships will pay dividends in your life and in others it'll help you to be a a a, a group that is making disciples number two here's another priority for you in 2014 focus on your family Focus on your family. You don't need me to tell you that the idea of a biblical family is under attack. Right? The idea of a man and woman that love each other in the Lord and want to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that idea is under attack in our culture. And there are all these forces that are trying to pull our families apart. And if we're going to be a, a healthy church that makes disciples and expands God's kingdom, we've got to have healthy families. Because if, if your family is in turmoil, you're not going to have the energy or the wherewithal to be able to expand God's kingdom, are you? And so we've got to have healthy families as we move forward. We've got to focus on our... I'm not talking about perfection here. There's no perfect family. 
But I'm talking about a family that understands that Jesus is the answer. And, 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 and wants to pursue him together. Focus on your family. So wait, how do I do that? How do I focus more on my family? We've got a couple things we've done to help you. Number one, uh, participate in the path. Last September, I shared with you this, this new family ministry initiative called The Path. If you weren't here or haven't heard about it, you can go to our website. And we shot some video that's got an explanation of what The Path is all about. But basically, The Path is about the church, the ministers of the church coming along beside you to encourage you and equip you as parents as you raise, disciple, and launch your kids out into the world to make a difference. That, that's, it's the idea of church and families partnering together. Now let me just say this, and I've said this a lot, but I want to say it again. The primary responsibility of raising, discipling, and launching your children is with you as parents, not with the church. Now, in the 80s and 90s, I believe we developed into really unhealthy models of, of, of age-graded ministry. And basically what it looked like is this. I'm going to bring my kid to children's ministry. I'm going to bring my kid to youth group. And they're going to they're teach my kid everything they need to know about the Lord. And what happened is children's ministers and youth ministers became the primary faith influencers of children and teenagers, not parents. And under that model we've seen that 80% of the kids that grow up in that model and leave the church and go out into the world, leave church behind. They're no longer plugged into the church. So maybe we're missing it. And I believe we are. You as a parent are called to be the primary faith influencer of your children. Right? The church's job is to come along beside you and encourage you, give you resources, give you tools, help you, cheer you on, to reinforce for your kids what they should already be hearing in the home. Right? When, 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 when your young person comes to, 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 to youth group and they're challenged to read their Bible daily, that shouldn't be the first time they've heard that. They should see mom and dad reading their Bibles daily. Right? Because you are called by God to be the primary faith influencer of your kids. And so we've developed this initiative called The Path, and it takes uh, parents through seven stages of, of raising their children from birth to graduation, and we've developed some seminars and some ceremonial things that mark rites of passage and some resources we're going to give you. We've already begun some of that uh, last year. And in the, in the next weeks, you'll see more information about the path and seminars you can be involved in. So just do it. Show up at the seminars. Read the books we ask you to read or, or encourage you to read. Uh, get with other parents. See what they're doing. I mean, but, but get involved in the path. Let the church come along beside you and encourage you and help you as you raise, disciple, and launch your kids into the world to make a difference. And then secondly, I want you to seriously consider attending a marriage mentoring. Marriage mentoring. Now, at the beginning of February, we had this marriage mentoring seminar. We're bringing in a gentleman that's going to teach us how to be mentors to other marriages. And we have some folks that have signed up for that and, and, and still open for sign-ups if you are available. But also in the coming weeks, we're going to... We're going to have sign-ups for couples, maybe in crisis, or couples that just want to grow some, that say, you know, we need someone speaking into our life. 
we, we need a, a godly couple that can encourage us. And so what we're going to begin to do is, is train some folks over here and, 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 and then match them up, connect them with couples that, that need mentoring. And this is a major shift in the way we're going to engage marriage at Longview Point Baptist Church. So if you come to us with crisis, you need to understand we're going to move you towards a mentoring relationship. We're going to try to get you linked up with another couple. And they're going to be trained and have some insight and some support to really walk you through some things, help you think about what's going on in your marriage. I want you to know, help is on the way, all right? We, we already do counseling and things like that, but this is a, a, a major shift, a, 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 I think a biblical way to really help marriages, those that are struggling, those that just need some, some, some maintenance, to really help marriages to grow in the Lord. You know, we got folks here, been married for 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60 years plus. Think about that. You think all those years of wisdom accumulated and being married that long could pay off when speaking into someone else's life? You think, that, you think they could? I mean, what would it look like if we had a, a couple that's been married 55 years, take a couple that's been married five years, and just have them over for dinner and just talk about some stuff? Can you imagine the impact that could have? And so we want to begin to link up these these marriages and, and have you involved in marriage mentors. I want you to consider either being a mentor, if, you're, if, you, if you feel like you're in a place where you can really uh, encourage other couples, then we got some training coming up for you beginning of February. But if you want to be mentored, then we'll have some sign-ups very shortly. So look for those sign-ups and get signed up, and we'll get you connected and, and really engage you at that level. But we've got to focus on our family. Let me just remind you, I say it all the time, Satan hates your marriage. Right? He hates your kids. He wants to destroy your home. And we are never going to be a kingdom-expanding church if we don't have families that are growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And so I want to encourage you in 2014 to really focus on your family. But here's the third thing, third priority. I want to encourage you to be a blessing. To be a blessing. Look back with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. The Bible says these, these new believers were gathering together, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love that phrase, having favor with all the people. The community of Jerusalem was blessed by the presence and the actions and the ministry of these new believers in Christ. Having favor with all the people. I heard a, a pastor pose a question years ago, and it always sticks with me. And the question was this. If your church closed its doors tomorrow, would anybody really care? Would anybody be affected by that? I mean, is your church having such an impact in the community that, that you would be missed? And, I, and I, I think a lot about that. And I, I want to be missed. How about you? If something happened, I want folks to miss us because we have such a, a large role in, 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 in building up our community in a positive way. So I want to encourage you to be a blessing. And if you notice there on the screen, blessing is spelled with capital B, capital L, capital E, capital S, and S because bless is an acrostic I want to share with you. I want to give you a, a particular strategy as to how I want to bless 
Hernando and some ways that you can be involved in blessing Hernando in 2014. So I'm going to give you just kind of the broad outlines. We'll give you more details in the coming days. These are some ways I think that we can be effective in really being a blessing, having favor with Hernando. The first, the first part is, is, is B, benevolent service. Benevolent service. The word benevolent means goodness or kindness. It means to help. And so I want us to be a church that is, that is benevolently serving other folks. Now, before I get into this, you need to understand, there are some things that happen in life or church you know nothing about which are highly significant. Because of your faithful giving and because some folks are doing some things behind the scenes, a lot of people are helped by Longview Point Baptist Church. You need to understand that. There's a lot of things you don't even know about, and you don't need to know about, but things that are awesome, that, that God is really using our church, using you to really impact other people's lives. We help a lot of folks, and I want you to be aware of that. But I want to involve more people in, in reaching out to our community. And so I foresee one day we have a, a, a benevolence, a, we, have, we already have a benevolence team, but even opening up to a greater number of people, folks come together and say, how can we uh, greatly impact our community? What can we do for somebody in Hernando? How can we help somebody? Who, who needs uh, us to come along beside them and just serve them? Benevolent service. We have a, an initiative that we're getting ready to, to roll out for you called Second Saturday. We have a family in our community, and part of the family are members at Colonial Hills in Hernando, and part of the family are members here at Longview Point Baptist Church. And this family has a heart to really engage the community with, with projects, just really just loving on folks and, and, and doing some things. And so we're going to give you some opportunities throughout the year on the second Saturday of every month, second Saturday morning, just get together with other Christians and just go out and, and just serve folks and, and just show the community, hey, as believers in Christ, no strings attached, we love you. And, and we, want to, we want to be a blessing to you because of what Jesus has done to us and in us. And so we're, we'll, we'll give you some sign-ups uh, shortly for Second Saturdays every month and tell you how many folks we need for different projects. And, and we want you to provide the manpower to really go out and, and do some community things. It may be landscaping a park. It may be uh, doing some work at a school. It, it may be painting a widow's house. I don't know what it's going to look like, but there are all sorts of opportunities for us to just love on folks. And, and we're going to give you that opportunity every Saturday. So you as a connect group may say, you know what? You know, we need to do some stuff together. We need to out, do some outreach together. We need to do some service ministry together. Hey, let's, let's show up this next second Saturday and, and, and do some projects together. Wouldn't that be neat? So that's benevolent service, and you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. The, the L in BLESS stands for Law Enforcement Slash Emergency Personnel. It's really interesting how many law enforcement agencies are represented here at our church. You name it, we've got a member here in some, some area of law enforcement. I mean, you name it. And it's pretty awesome to see. And we're grateful for that. And we love our law enforcement folks. We love our firefighters, our paramedics. I mean, those folks that keep us safe, that protect us, that, that come to our rescue, the folks that really keep our community uh, safe and moving forward. We are grateful for those folks. Amen? Grateful. And so I want us just to think intentionally, how can we be a greater blessing to them? Just how can we love on them? It, it may mean a connect group adopts a fire station or adopts the sheriff's department or adopts the police department and, and says, what can, how can we help? How can we serve you? It may mean that 
You start a Bible study in a firehouse. I don't know what it's going to mean, but, but we're going to give you opportunity to really just, 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 just love on these folks and encourage them because their job is tough. It's not easy. And we want them to know that, that they have some fans at Longview Point, and we want to help any way that we can. So, so what it'll look like is at some point we'll probably have a team formed, and their job is to brainstorm how to be a blessing to our law enforcement and emergency personnel. Pretty cool, right? The E stands for evangelism. The word evangelism means you share your faith so that people can come to faith in Christ. We know that if we're going to change our nation, if we're going to change our world, eventually someone's going to have to open up their mouth and talk about Jesus, right? <laughs> got to happen. And so we're going to talk a lot this year about evangelism. i got some things that are burning on my heart that I want to share with you. I believe there's some areas we're missing it in evangelism training as it's been done in the past. And I, I want to share some, some, some burdens I have with you and some ways that we can go to the next level of sharing our testimony and sharing the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in 2014. So stay tuned. All right, there's more of that coming in the future. But I'm excited about, about equipping you in the area of evangelism. The S stands for schools. The first S, schools. Now, you need to understand, we already do some things for our schools. At the beginning of every school year, before the kids get there, we, we feed every school in Hernando. We feed them a lunch and just go in and, and just pray for them and, and feed, feed them some, a great meal and just let them know that we're supporting them in this school year. Uh, last year, our, our student ministry went to the high school and repainted the, uh, the teacher's lounge and put some pictures up, made it look really nice and warm and inviting, just, just as just a way to say, hey, we love you, we care about you. Uh, our, our student ministry fed uh, the high school teachers before the kids came back here this month of January. So there's some things going on where we're trying to be involved in the life of the schools, and we want it to happen in a greater and greater way. So maybe there'll come a time when a connect group or a group of people say, we want to adopt Hernando Hills, or we want to adopt Hernando Elementary, we want to adopt Hernando High School or Middle School or Oak Grove. We want to adopt that school, and we're going to go to the principal and say, what do you need? What do you need? You need a new computer and computer lab? Maybe we can raise the money and get it for you. You need, you need some landscaping work done? We'll show up with some rakes and some mulch, right? I mean, what can, how can we help? You need a room painted? We'll paint it. But no strings attached. We're just here to serve you. And, and we want to engage our schools at a greater level. And then the, the last S, it stands for support groups. Ravi Zacharias said this in a book, and I've never forgot it. I marked it up in the book. I don't even remember what book it was, one of his books. He said, when you speak to a hurting world, you'll never lack an audience. Listen, listen to me. Come in close for just a second. There are folks all around us sitting at a desk beside our desk at work, sitting at a desk beside our desk at school, on our cove, on our street, on the pew beside us that are really, really hurting. And I just wonder, I feel like for, you know, for 11 years now, we've just kind of been keeping up with God, the growth and expansion and this and that, and mission trips and all. I just wonder if maybe now that, that God is, has, has grown us and blessed us the way he has, I wonder if now we're positioned to really begin to target some of those hurting people in a way we haven't in the past. Divorce recovery, grief support, addiction support, addiction recovery. I mean, you name it. There's, there's a lot of hurting people out there, aren't there? 
And I just wonder, with our resources, with the folks sitting out there that I know care, I wonder what we could do. And again, that's going to take shape over a period of months. Um, but, but I'm excited about the possibility of really providing some gospel-centered recovery ministry as we seek to lead people to the answer. And the only answer is Jesus. Amen? And so we'll have some opportunity to, to, to talk about that and, and see what that looks like and, and, and try some things and maybe, you know, try this. doesn't work. Try this. But, but we're going to seek to be gospel-centered and reaching out. Now, here, you talk about small groups. Jesus used small groups, right? In my quiet time this morning, I read Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus got his disciples together and said, Okay, go! I want you to cast out demons and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And I want you to go to this community, this community, stay in this house. I want you to go out and, and, and share, share the gospel with all these towns. So, listen, part of small group ministry is going out. Right? And this BLESS initiative gives you some, some intentional opportunities to go as a connect group or as a family. And really impact those around you with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, we always want to help people, but we always want to help people in a gospel-centered way. Because we know that we can't change anybody's life. Only Jesus can change a life. Amen? And that's going to be at the focus and the center of what we do. So here, what are some action steps? Look there in your notes. Look for ways to show and share the love of Christ. 2014. Look for ways to show and share the love of Christ. Begin to be on the lookout. If you see something that is a real need, come and tell me or tell one of our staff members. Say, hey, here's an area we could bless Hernando. Let us know that. Some of you have perspectives we don't have, all right? For, for example, uh, as we talk about blessing our schools, some of you school teachers, retired school teachers, administrators, retired administrators, I need you to come tell me how we can be a blessing to our schools. You know better than I do. You've been there, so come tell me. And let, let's talk about how we can be a blessing. But, but look for ways to show and share the love of Christ. And then bless Hernando. All right? As you see opportunities, we do Second Saturday, and you know we target schools and law enforcement and emergency personnel and service opportunities and, and, and helping those that have needs. As we do all of that, get involved. Action, right? Action. God has called us to spirit-empowered action. And again, the great enemy of action is we're so busy in other parts of our life. So we've got to make living for Jesus a priority and let him use our lives and our church. And so, vision, mission, action. You know who we are. You know where we're headed. Now, let's get out there and serve and work until Jesus comes for the glory and fame of His great name, always empowered by the Spirit of God.